I feel like there's a, well, there's obviously a huge mistrust with the media and that has to trickle down to you. We've only been operating for uh, about four months now and we've even seen it for us that, that people expect an agenda every time that you're sharing some kind of story or information. And mm-hmm. I think it's because of the, you know, the, the older media platforms that in some ways do force their agenda. So how has that trickled down to you and has it affected your writing or your mindset going in and knowing that people are almost thinking, hey, there's an agenda here? to the Building Belmont podcast or welcome back if you're a faithful listener. Today we have someone who's been living in the lane of capturing stories, creating connections and sharing information for a long time. I won't give away my age, but longer than I've been alive. And I'm so thankful to get to capture his story. So often he's the person that is capturing the stories of everyone else or really helping to tell their story or explain their story or give them a platform. So today I'm excited to invite him onto our platform to actually hear his story, the man behind the banner. Uh, Today we have Alan Hodge joining us from the Banner News. He spent 33 years in journalism, 16 of them being right here with the Belmont Banner, then it merged with the Mount Holly News and became Banner News. Right. So if you've been around Belmont for more than a day, then you've recognized the Banner News. And so today we have the CEO, the chief everything officer, chief editor, journalist, uh, chief storyteller of the Banner News, Alan Hodge, joining us. Alan, how often do you get your story captured or your story shared? Never. Really? <laughs> Not once? No. <laughs> Well, I think that that's just so fitting uh, to be able to capture your story. We were we met up at the skate park. Uh, Alan and I were, you know, on our skateboards just tearing it up. (laughs) No, we were walking around with cameras and camera phone. And uh, we met and Alan said, I want to capture your story. And I said, well, Alan, I've been wanting to capture your story. So we saw a fit thing that we would uh, capture your story first. But Alan, you shared a bit of your story. You mentioned that you worked 18 years for UPS and then you worked 13 years for the library. And then you went into, obviously, journalism for 33 years. Let's start with your journey at the library. Now, you mentioned what you did there, and I thought that that was so interesting because some people will never know that that was actually a job. What did you do there at the library as a, as a resource for people? I sat in a room with five other people, and, and we answered reference questions over the phone all day. And we had 500 reference volumes in that room and people would call us up and ask us a question and we would go uh, look in a volume and, uh, and, and get the answer for them. There was no internet. What kind of questions would you get? Oh, uh, we get a lot of questions, like especially on Friday night from people in bar rooms trying to settle uh, bets over who hit the most home runs in 1921 and stuff like that. You know, you could hear the tinkling of the glasses and people laughing in the background. <laughs> And then, and, and, uh, we get a lot of people would call us up, uh, children would call us up in the afternoon wanting help with their homework. <laughs> and, uh, we had one little boy, we called him Poindexter because he'd call us up every afternoon. You could just about count on it. And one, one question he asked me that, that I'll never forget. He said, can you tell me who that man Posey Don is? And I said, Posey Don, who in the world are you talking about? He, I said, spell it for me. P-O-S-E-I-D-O-N. I I said, oh, you mean Poseidon. He said, yeah, that's him. And stuff like that. I mean, anything and everything under the sun you could possibly think of. There was just just everything. 
Well, you did that for 13 years as a journalist. Obviously, research is a big part of that. Did you enjoy that research and getting to be that resource for people to connect them to that information? In that oh, way? yes. And that, that's what helped launch me into, into a full time, into a paying job as a journalist, because I started in 1989 doing a monthly uh, uh, North Carolina sort of a trivia quiz for the Our State magazine. And that's that's how I got that job because uh, the girl told me, she said, well, you know, you're down there at the library and you've got all those books at your fingertips, so why don't you give this a shot? Mm. And that just, uh, I've been with them for like, with Our State magazine for, for 33 years. Wow. So you're still with them? Still with them. Okay. And so you write for the banner and for Our State magazine? Yep. Okay. And, and what is the, the column that you do now for Our State magazine? I still do that monthly quiz, wow. North Carolina quiz. It's been published in book form three times. And in 2017, Governor Cooper presented me with the Old North State Award for, for my work with our state. And in 2020, I was presented with the Order of the Longleaf Pine for my work with our state. Wow. And that's the highest award the state of North Carolina gives. Congratulations. People. It's an honor. Honor to be in your presence. Yeah, I don't have a college degree, but that I have that uh, order of the longleaf pine hanging on my wall at home, home and I say that's my de- college degree. Well, you've got your hours underneath you uh, as far as it pertains to research, so I'm pretty sure that you uh, could earn some some honorary degrees around around here. Oh yeah. Well, the uh, the I thought it was very interesting your role with the library. You were Google before Google was Google. So now, when you're doing some research or you're doing your role as a journalist, how much more simple or how much has it evolved now that you could just hop on Google or, you know, hop on Siri and say, Hey Siri, who's Poseidon? And she'll answer you. you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it, but at the same time, it's, it also, it, it feeds another need in me because I have what people might call an inquiring mind. And I want to know about everything as much as I can about every, every subject you can possibly think of. It doesn't matter if it's classical music or ancient Egyptian art or, uh, antique British motorcycles or, or just anything. I just enjoy finding out stuff. So when you were driving with UPS for 15 years, 15 years, how did you feel when you were driving there? What were you thinking? You know, that's a long time. I was time thinking I hated every minute of it <laughs> that I was, I was thinking I wanted to write stories for a living, but I was making a ton of money. Like when I was 20, Five years old, I had a swanky apartment, a brand new BMW automobile, and, and, and everything, but I wasn't very happy inside. And so how often did you think about this route as a journalist? You knew when you were driving that you wanted to tell stories, but had this dawned on you that maybe you can pursue this route, or is it a desire that you had? I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And my grandfather passed away, and we sold a farm, so I came into some money, and I used that to buy my freedom from UPS. I just quit. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have the library job lined up when you quit UPS? No, you I didn't have any it. job lined up. For six months, all I did was, I moved back to Belmont because I was living in Charlotte then, okay. but I moved back to Belmont and I spent six months uh, riding my bicycle and writing poems. Any of those poems get published? Or oh, just, yes. Okay. I was published in numerous college reviews wow. and in, a, and in book form as well. 
Where can we find uh, those poems if we wanted to go to? Good luck, because that was like 40 <laughs> years ago. Well, that's why I ask, you know, there's something about the uh, historical preservation of uh, stories for sure, but also those sides of things, especially on a digital medium now, like what we're doing with this podcast to be able to have those. So I think I'm going to go on a hunt, try and find some of the, that poetry. So now you got into the library and then you transitioned there into journalism. You have there your notepad with you. Tell me about your first experience with having to go and pursue a story. Okay. The very first newspaper story I ever did, I, I saw an ad in, in the Gaston Gazette for, um, for a reporter at the Kings Mount Herald newspaper. So I went up there and I took a copy of Our State magazine and a copy of Business North Carolina magazine that I'd been freelancing for. And I went up there and the old guy that was the editor up there named Gary Dean Stewart, he'd been the editor there for like forever and ever. And so he talked to me for a little bit and then he said, well, I, I see you can write a magazine story. Can you write a newspaper story? And I said, I don't know. And he handed me one of these notepads like that. And he said, well, go on out yonder and start finding me some stories. And I said, where am I going to go? I've never been here in my life. He said, go to Falston. And I said, well, where in the world is Falston? So he showed me on a map. It's in the upper end of Cleveland County. He said, go up there and see if anything's going on there. <laughs> okay. So I drove up to Falston and I stopped at a fruit and vegetable stand. And I asked the guy, I said, this man tells me to come up here and find a newspaper story in Falston. He said, the, new, the vegetable man said, well, go down this road and turn left on the dirt road. There's some people making molasses in the woods. And so I went down there and went down this dirt road and came upon a clearing out in the woods. And it was like going back into the 19th century. They had a mule on the end of a long pole going around and around in a circle. And a man was sitting on the ground feeding sorghum cane into a like a grinding thing. And the juice was running into buckets and they were taking it over and dumping it into a big cannibal pot over the open fire and uh, making molasses. And that was the first newspaper story I ever did. How uh, how well did that story do? Do you know? Is it did great. Is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. People loved it. Did the editor know that that was happening up in Faustin? Or he no. Or he just stabbing the dark? No, it was just a stab in the dark. But that guy, he was, he was, he was like, he taught me a lot because he would send me on any kind of story you could possibly think of. So I covered uh, government. I covered... Uh, just things going on out in the country, school news. He gave me a, assignments on a, a tremendously wide range of subjects. And, and so that I, that's how it's kind of hard to explain, but it was a good foundation, great foundation. And he handed you a notebook. I mean, you said just like that. I mean, exactly like this. Exactly like it. Yeah. Okay. And so now do you just keep a, a, a whole stack of them around? I, I use them up. I, I take a lot of notes, and when I get through with them, then I toss them and start with a fresh one. But I, I'm sure that I've burned up hundreds and hundreds of these things here because I just know how to scribble my notes. And people say, how, do you, how did you write a story from that scribbling? We can't even read it. But it just um, each scribble is like a, a, th a thing that triggers the, th the memory in my brain of the interview. So Yeah. Well, the uh, going from you mentioned that Gary Dean Stewart asked, "You can write a magazine story, but can you write a newspaper story?" <laughs> What's the difference between a magazine story and a newspaper story? Is there one? I just, it just depends on the subject. I mean, a lot of when I was besides the monthly quiz for our state, I 
I used to do more feature stories like this magazine covers all of North Carolina. It's travel, history, food, uh, culture, art, music, anything about North Carolina. And so um, it's the same principle, but sometimes, but I I write a weekly column for my paper too. And this is where the, uh, the publisher, Greg Ledford, who's the best publisher I've ever worked for, gives me freedom because well, he gives me total freedom to tell you the truth, but, but a newspaper story is like this. A good, good solid newspaper story is this shape. It's, a, it's like this. Everything is t tells the facts. You don't put your opinion in it. You tell the facts of what happened, the who, what, when, where, and how, and, and present it in a, in a, in a tight, logical uh, way. But when I do my columns, this this is the shape of a column that I write <laughs> all over the place. I mean, I write stream of consciousness a lot of times. I can I can get up at like two o'clock in the morning and and write a column or even a story because it's already written in my head. And all I have to do is put it is type it, put it, put it onto the computer. So, so in writing a column is more like like playing music. It's like uh, extemporizing it with a musical instrument. I can just go anywhere I want to with it. But the news, the newspaper story needs to be more structured and a little more, I guess you might say formal. Yeah. Being able to, like you said, stick with the, the W's, who, what, when, where, right. why, and then right. in the column, you're able to more freely express yourself in your art of writing. Exactly. Okay. Well, you, uh, you know, you, you did mention there about how you write articles or how you approach it. And I did want to ask you because of your career and how long you've been in the realm of media and the press and journalism, how have you seen the relationship with the media and the public change throughout your years? Or has it at all? Has it all yeah, it's changed a lot. And I think that the, the, the media, the news media now is more of an entertainment and political uh, venue that spins the news left and right. And there's the old style like Walter Cronkite and Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. The the they they presented the news as news, the facts, just like I explained to you how to write how I write my newspaper stories. Mm -hmm. But now it's but the news media has become so politicized that it's um, I don't know. It seems like it's lost its way and. Um, it's just it's just changed terribly. Well, I feel like there's a, well, there's obviously a huge mistrust with the media, and that has to trickle down to you. We've only been operating for uh, about four months now, and we've even seen it for us that that people expect an agenda every time that you're sharing some kind of story or information. And mm -hmm. I think it's because of the you know the, the older media platforms that in some ways do force their agenda. So how has that trickled down to you? And has it affected your writing or your mindset going in, knowing that people are almost thinking, hey, there's an agenda here. But from my time with you, there is no agenda. It's truly about stories and connection and information and exactly. just being okay with that. So how has that mindset from the public to the media uh, impacted you or how do you maybe the opposite it hasn't impacted you and you've stayed steadfast in your pursuit okay well i i i have very very few people only i can count like just on my fingertips the number of people that have ever um 
said said that they were mistrustful of the media. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they are, but they're not. Most people are not mistrustful of me because I have a reputation in this this area is a is a good solid journalist that's going to print positive stories, going to write positive stories. There's no negative news in my paper. It's all about the good things that that people in this area are doing. School news, uh, life stories, uh, school sports, the the what you might call like hometown, solid hometown stories. And there's a tremendous hunger for that because people tell me all the time, we're so sick of the negative news. We want to, we enjoy reading your paper because it's a, it's like a ray of sunshine. Yeah. Well, I I do enjoy that. And, you know, when I met you, it was really a, a, a blessing in, again, just foundationally getting Building Belmont going to say that, hey, that's okay that you can write about those positive things. And that's all right. That doesn't mean that you're not covering the other things. It's, it's, it's more about what you're for than what you're against. And I think people more so want to hear about what you're against and not what you're for. And so it was encouraging to hear from you in the career that you've had to say, hey, that's okay to write about what you're for and to be positive and to be encouraging and to let people know the world is... People need it. The world needs it. I mean, we need that kind of news de- desperately. Are you familiar with the, uh, the actor John Krasinski? From nope. the office, Jim from the office. He uh, in in 2020, and I don't know if he still has it going, but he started a YouTube page. Uh, I think he called it the Feel Good News Network, and it was a hit because people really do want to, you know, they don't want to turn on the TV and just be more stressed and frustrated. You know, I don't watch TV anymore. I, I agree. Neither do I. Uh, especially not the news. Um, well, I, I really wanted to, to get your take on that because, again, you have a very obviously unique perspective. You've existed in that world. But tell me more now about the banner. You, you touched on it a little bit about how you write. Uh, some people may not be engaged with the banner. We come to find that a lot of our audience right now are people that are just moving to Belmont or have moved in the last few years and are loving it and saying, give me more. I want to connect with it. Mm-hmm. So how do you write? And what can people expect when they engage with you and you're writing on the banner news? Well, the paper, the paper comes out every Thursday and we have like 80 boxes up and down the eastern uh, third of Gaston County. I cover the Mount Holly, Belmont, Stanley, Cramerton and McCaddenville stories in those, those, those five towns. And um, let's see, we print about 4,000 papers a week and just about all of them get picked up. And uh, we also have an online presence now at banner-news.com. People can read the paper online. Banner-news.com. Right. So I will be sure to link that in the show notes, uh, in the comments for those of you that want to engage with. Yeah, people can go back and read the actual paper online. And um, that's pretty much it. The paper's been around since 1936. And um, how many years is that now? Is that 86 years this year? Yeah. I'll trust your math. <laughs> but it's been around a long, long, long time. And, I, and I'm hoping it stays around, you know, as long as I'm still kicking. What is, uh, you know, thinking about legacy, a, a big driver for me personally is everything is legacy oriented. And anything that we do or that we build, for me, if I see the height of it or the pinnacle of it, then I feel like that's a failure because it's really about setting up the next generation to carry it forward. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be in wealth or in business, but it's truly about setting that up for the future. And obviously in you capturing the stories that you have and creating these archives that you've created through the banner and other uh, other columns, 
you're capturing legacy. But w- what's your take on the future of the banner news? What do you hope that it becomes even after you or what it can grow into? Gosh, I, I, like I say, I hope it just keeps, keeps uh, being published. Right now, the print uh, media business is tough. So we, you know, we need all the, all the ads that we can lay our hands on. And, um, and it, another thing is, I wonder who will take it over if I, if I die, because I'm going to write it till I can't write another word. And the, the, the modern people that are coming, I don't want to use the word modern, but I wonder if there are like young journalists out there that would be willing to, to, um, to to commit and dedicate their lives to a hometown newspaper that's that's a tough sell i had a fellow a couple of years ago that i was going to groom for that job but but he just uh, he just couldn't stick with it and he, he had talent but he didn't have that dedication and that commitment to it i'm i'm passionate about it and i i just hope that somewhere there's a person like me absolutely well, we hope that uh, through our relationship, not only the platform and yourself, but you and I, that we can keep that going. We can find a way to make that happen because it really, it really is important. And you know, everything is cyclical. And I've not been on this planet quite as long as you have, so you can speak to this more than I can. But everything is cyclical. So, for example, with churches back in the day, there were old hymns. And then mm-hmm. it got very modern and there was music that, you know, like light shows, like a rock concert. And there was an old pastor, I forget the name now, that said hymns will come back because everything's cyclical. Sure enough, now you walk even to the most modern of churches and they're singing old hymns again. Mm-hmm. And so I say that to say what I've noticed in business or in the media is that everything's cyclical as well from the personal is again powerful. And that was really a catalyst for us starting this platform was that, hey, personal is powerful. So you've hung in there and you've, you've continued to dedicate yourself to that local news. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad to be able to share you now, not that you needed any more uh, attention or awareness, but uh, you know, it is personal. Personal is powerful. I personally want to hear about what's going on in my community because that's also the place that we can affect, that we can change or we can help to grow. We can't do much about the rest of the world. Uh, we can do a lot about here. So, yeah. so thank you for your service there. All right. Well, I just want to, I, I just want to say one last thing is I, I feel like I'm sort of like a, a country preacher in a way because I don't get paid that much money, but but my work lets me touch people's lives in a positive way. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Any stories that you're sharing now that you're really excited about touching in a positive way? Well, uh, I know that uh, the Muddy River Distillery down here is going to be moving to Mount Holly. And, uh, and, and at the end of the month, the Mount Holly police chief is going to re- be retiring. And Thursday, I'm going to go to Stanley and interview the town clerk who's from the Ukraine and her family and, and friends are still over there. So that should be an interesting story there. Wow. It, any efforts for her to move her family? I don't know. I'll find out Thursday when okay. I talk to her about it. But but uh, it's just, I just turn over every stone I can possibly turn over, you know, to find the, the local news. That's it. Well, that did lead me to one final question. What does What is your process for capturing a story? What do you mean? Do you go knock doors, make some calls, go uh, call some COIs yeah. or some influencers? Yeah, people, like? <laughs> I don't know about influencers. I'm not sure what that is, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, I just have a, I have a broad network of contacts in uh, even the county government level and city governments around the municipalities, police chiefs, the fire chiefs. Uh, um, my cousin is chairman of the school board. 
that got us the public relations uh, chief for the Gaston County Schools has been a friend of mine for 20 years. So I just have like a vast web of, of con potential contacts. And then at the same time, people will call me up and say, hey, Alan, I've got a great story for you. And I just follow up on, uh, on all those tips like that. Okay. So that's so, it. It's, so now this network contacts you and then you'll follow up on the yeah. stories. Yeah, the paper is like an airplane. It's like it's like if the a whole pile of a whole bunch of airplane parts are moving through the sky and then the the runway is down there and the and the runway is the deadline and the closer that the that it gets to the runway, the parts, they start slowly coming together. And then at the very last instant, just before it touches the one runway, it's become a whole airplane and it lands. <laughs> so how much anxiety do you, do you deal with on a weekly basis? Every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned you were I just like took a, my first vacation in 10 years. Did the, how did the paper carry on without you? Well, I dredged up some old stories and fluffed them up and, okay. and told, my, told the publisher, I said, you're going to have to do this this next week. And, and it, it came together. But when I looked at it, I'll be honest with you, it, I, it, it just, I thought I should have been there and done that. <laughs> okay. Here's a little next time. Maybe you, you've already done this. Uh, it's totally unsolicited. But next time you want to take a vacation, we'll do a best of series. Yeah, you know, there you go. Of, best of 2023. And we'll just publish that paper so you can go away and have a vacation. Yeah. Then you know they're good stories. Well, I'm thinking my wife and I are going to go back to Europe next year. That'll okay. be a vacation next year, too. Okay. And... Uh, so it was a it was a it was nice, but I have to confess I didn't even take my cell phone with me, and and I and I sneaked on onto the ship's computer, and we went on the Danube River for 400 miles, and they had a had a computer there, and I have to confess I sneaked around and went up there and checked my work <laughs> emails. Uh, a river cruise, it sounds like. Yeah, it was a well, Viking river cruise. Congratulations, well deserved vacation. It there. was. It uh, was a great vacation. Well, being able to. Uh, it, you know, being able to bring those things together, the, the essence of the story. You mentioned earlier that you were like a small church pastor, you know, that you don't, you don't make a lot of money, but you get to impact a lot of people. I also think about the tenacity and the endurance it takes for a pastor to, to allow a new message or create a new message every week, right? So Sunday to Sunday, the clock's ticking. That's it. And so for you, ticking. Thursday to Thursday, the clock's ticking. The clock. It's like, all right, we hit the finish line, but now it's time to get back to work. Yeah. So I definitely applaud your your resilience and uh, your, your tenacity, your endurance, all of the good work, your curiosity, your inquiring <laughs> mind, and uh, you know, really just your passion for what you do. I love being able to capture a story, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to continue to learn from you. Okay, well, I appreciate that too. So awesome. it's been great talking to you. Yes. <laughs> right. We'll see you guys. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Building Belmont podcast. I'm your host, Keanu Trujillo, reminding you to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And of course, share with a friend, share with a neighbor. We'll see you again next week as we capture more stories, create more connection, and share more information here on the Building Belmont podcast.